excuse me, may I talk to you for a second? Yes. This is the Black Real Estate Dialogue, and the purpose of the Black Real Estate Dialogue is to document the journey of an up-and-coming real estate investor and to share the stories of successful Black real estate investors. Welcome back to the Black Real Estate Dialogue Mashup Series, and this episode features episodes 49 and 64 with Reginald Jordan Sr. and Torrance Reed, and we're going to be talking about buying black in real estate. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Take your notepads out and your pens. This is going to be a good one. Let's talk about it. There are a lot of other facets of financial literacy, right? Like there's investing, there's the stock market, uh, um, there's entrepreneurship, right? Like real estate is only one piece of finance. So uh, we started a separate thing um, with the idea to crowdfund the rehabilitation of homes around HBCUs, mm -hmm. right? Historically, HBCUs are in low income communities. Mm -hmm. I mean, the hood or the projects or whatever you want to call it, right? Low income housing, the hood, section eight, I mean, whatever your community calls it, those houses are within eyesight of the school. Yep. You can literally see them right from the campus. And a lot of times it's almost like across the street, there is a row of 10 boarded up homes across the street from the science building of a school. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I said to myself, for one, I'm tired of looking at this. So then I say that to myself again, and I say, well, I'm going to do something about it. We're going to do something about it. Um, so what we did is we just, we started to find people who have, who fit a collective profile. And that's either they have an affinity for HBCUs um, uh, or they want to get into real estate. Yeah. The idea behind it was we would crowdfund, uh, smaller sums of money than what's normally required, right? And and we would literally crowdfund the purchase of homes and we would crowdfund the rehab. And, you know, however the uh, ownership was done, right, whether it, it was equity or whether it, it was loan-based, mm -hmm. um, the individuals participating in it, one, got to actually be a part of something. Right. Two, they get to own a house, right? Because getting getting a piece of paper that says you have a stake in something has a psychological effect, even if you don't 100% own it. Right. right? So and some people may never have $50,000 to go in on the rehab of a second home or their first rental property. But a mm -hmm. lot of people can come up with eight or $10,000, right? Uh, so that's just what we've been doing, right? We've, we purchased our... Uh, we purchased our first home as a collective, right? Everyone on our executive team has rental properties or investment properties uh, personally. Um, but this was the actual first property that HBC really purchased. So we purchased a home that's a, a five minute drive from Tuskegee University. Um, we're working with a group called Rebuild Tuskegee. Um, they do the same thing. Right. Like they take dilapidated and boarded up homes around the schools and they rehab them. Wow. You know, so we're working together. Right. And so for me, it was just um, I, I'm not one to talk. Right? I'm tired of talking. 
Yeah. You're right past these houses. Let's everybody get five or ten thousand dollars together and let's make it happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. 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 So Man. um that's what that's what I've been doing with agency really for the last couple of years. It's been a journey. Man. It's been a journey. That's crazy. Yep. So so something you mentioned made me think about something. So I went to I was in Atlanta for a wedding in 2000, the summer of 2019. And I had never been been to Morehouse was filming. So I, you know, me and my friend, we drove by, we were driving around the neighborhood, and I'm like, man, what is this? Like, we drive, we drove at day, we drove at night. We were, we spent a lot of time over there. And I'm like, man, there's so much opportunity here. There's so like I just I just couldn't believe it, man. I, everything you mentioned just about literally being across the street. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I saw when I was out there. And I'm like, man, this is a lot of, and I said, this, this, this is what I said to myself. I said, some people might see just garbage in a black community that's not worth nothing. Other people will see opportunity. And I think there's plenty of opportunity to do things that you're doing for us to kind of go and rebuild those communities. You know, there, I, I just feel like there's no reason for the community surrounding such such great schools to be in that condition. I think man. a big a big part of it is uh, well, one you have to get all stakeholders to understand that they have a, a uh, an interest. The mm-hmm. school has the school immediately has more housing. The the unsavory characters that usually congregate around these dilapidated homes and, and these boarded up areas disappear. Mm-hmm. Right. But then you also take the members of the community, like the people who are there or the people who linger there, like whatever nomenclature you want to call them, mm-hmm. the people of the community. You let them participate in the track in, in the rehab. Well, mm-hmm. even if that's, you know, cleaning up the yard or hauling the trash or, or, or anything. Right. You you give the community a more psychological sense of rehabilitation. Yeah. And the students, imagine being introduced to the idea as a student of collectively you and three or four other people getting together and taking your refund check and you having an ownership stake in the house that you live in, that you get a paycheck, that you get a check for when you move out of. And if everything goes how we want it to, you could possibly get volunteer and apprenticeship hours from the house. Yeah. Right. Yep. So no one has brought this idea of wealth and home ownership and the power that the 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 industry and just the behemoth structure that real estate is like nobody has bought that understanding and the actual literalness of it down to the mind of an 18 year old yep right in this country it's like oh okay i'm 30 now i guess i should start looking into getting a crib or i guess i should look into real estate and it's funny you said you made the comment about Morehouse. Um, I went to A&T and there were some homes uh, uh, near the school that I walked past every day on the way to one of the convenience stores. And back then, I'm just looking at them like, oh, man, why is these trashy looking houses near my school? Walking past the houses with the money in my pocket to buy one of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And didn't buy it, of course. Yeah. Fast forward 15 years later, of course, the school has that area fenced off and they're probably about to build a new parking deck there or something. Right. Um, so the idea for HBC really was literally born from personal experience. Right. Like mm-hmm. the best things are created because of the co-founders experiences. 
right? I didn't realize when I was in college the the earning potential of literally those houses that I was walking by. Yeah. Right? Because nowhere, and you said it earlier, and, and this I think at times is the hard part to get our people to understand, right? Like nowhere looks like forever. Yeah. Right? Somebody's gonna they're gonna come through and bulldoze it, they're gonna rehab it, they're gonna put a park there, it's gonna be a building there. Like it's not gonna look like that forever. That forever may not happen until you're not here. But if you own it, that means your family own it when you leave here. So we got to get out of the it looks like crap mentality. Are you looking for a community of like-minded individuals and access to experts in real estate? Yeah. Are you interested in real estate but need more support and guidance? You know who it is. The Black Real Estate Dialogue presents the Real Estate Investing Community. How much or how little real estate experience you have, we've created a community for you because your perspective is important. All right, tell me, where's the number one place where you can do Q&A with experienced guest speakers two times per month? How about unlimited access to past guest speakers' recordings? What, what, what about a private Slack channel to engage in daily discussion with everybody in the community to share resources and support each other? Head on over to BlackRealEstateDialogue.com. That's BlackRealEstateDialogue.com. It's the real estate investing community presented by the Black Real Estate Dialogue. Come join us today. Going from uh, the first uh, couple of builds, um, where, where did things kind of grow and evolve um, over, I guess, the next um, decade or so? My my bread and butter has always been to build uh, for low in, low to moderate income people. Uh, I'm trying to transition people out of um, paying more in rent, uh, use up most of their income in rent. Uh, I'm trying to uh, educate them about how they can build wealth through real estate. Uh, but that's always who I've always focused on has been low to moderate income. Uh, one of the most frustrating parts is right now that 98% of my buyers are single females. Wow. Uh, that's a problem. Um, and I'm, I'm pressing right now for young men to become homeowners because they need to be the breadwinner. They need to be a homeowner and quit trying to just ride somebody's coattail. So that's one of the biggest things I'm pushing right now is to get these young men trained so they can have livable wage jobs and they can be homeowners. They can get their wealth because here's, here's where we're lacking. If you're not buying real estate, you're going to be behind economically. I mean, you're already behind because of certain situations, but I believe the greatest way to build wealth is through real estate and you don't have to be college educated to buy real estate. I mean, some of my wealthiest friends never made out of high school. I mean, I've got a guy right now, and all he does is build roads and subdivision, and he makes fifteen million dollars a year. Wow! And I mean, he just he just building roads. So I mean, we've got to get these kids workable skills so they can they can live. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so are the are, have most of your builds been in a certain area of Chattanooga or um, have, are you kind of like spread around? Can 
I'm in the hood. All of my bills are in the hood. Definitely. Maybe of the 400 houses I've built, maybe only 10 have not been in the hood. For sure. That's mainly where I concentrate on in those neighborhoods and show um, the elderly people that, hey, somebody does care. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I do is when I go into a neighborhood to help rebuild it, I make sure that the elderly people around the home, their property taxes are not raised. Wow. I get their property taxes frozen. So grandmother and grandfather are not affected by that new home being built by them. Right. Okay. So I get their property tax frozen, but the value of their home goes up. So they can leave something to the next generation. But at the same time, I don't want grandmother or grandfather to lose their home because they can't pay higher property taxes. So, I mean, that's one of the things that we make sure of is if we go on a certain block, we, we make sure that the, all the elderly people on that block, we get their property taxes frozen. Wow. So they're not affected by the new growth. Wow, wow. I'm, I really like that you mentioned that for, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, you know, all over the country, right? We see communities where most of our people are, um, there's new development, new things are happening. And the first, one of the first things people say, well, what about property tax? What about, you know, the elderly who live here? So can you talk to us about, I guess, what that conversation is like with the powers that be um, to incentivize them to freeze the property tax? Like, what does that look like um, in your particular market? Well, it's not a hard thing because it's, it's the morally right thing to do. Okay. Yeah. These people have worked their whole life and only the only asset they have is their home. Yeah. You know, how are you going to sit here and take this person's home when the only income they have, their decision is, do I pay the light bill or do I buy medication? Do I eat or do I buy medication? The last thing on their mind should be, losing their home the only thing they've got that's paid for right. so that was one that was one of the first things i said i'm going to do if we ever go on a block we're going to make sure their property taxes get frozen yeah if we have to fill the paperwork out ourselves i'm not depending on anybody else i'm going to make sure their property taxes are frozen okay not only that i'm gonna go to the state for them because there are incentives where the state will pay a big proportion of their property tax. Wow. See, a lot of us don't know these things in inner city areas. So when these outside developers come in, they're not caring about these people in the neighborhood. Yeah. That's not their problem. But me, someone who's lived here my whole life, and I know the burden it is on elderly people, right now, elderly people are our fastest growing population. They're projecting by 2030 that we'll have more homeless elderly people than any population group, the baby boomers, wow. of any population in our group. So I'm here to protect them, okay? I'm trying to build a new house in your neighborhood so now you'll have more police coverage so your crime is going down because now you have homeowners and not renters. But at the same time, I'm going to make sure your property taxes stay frozen. 
and I'll make sure the state helps you pay your property tax. Wow. I, I like that. I like that a lot. And, you know, a lot of people think, you know, to be in business, to build wealth, you have to be this, you know, macho and sensitive person who doesn't care about people, but it's not true. You know, you can and you should be somebody who cares about others, you know, as you're growing your business. And I feel like, you know, being that way will help you to grow your business. You know, it'll help you to build more relationships and, you know, looking out for the next person, it always comes back to you. So I think it's great that you make it a point to do that. Um, as you mentioned, you built hundreds of houses. So, you know, if you think about, if you think about that fact, you know, you can only, you can only imagine how many families you've helped, um, you know, be able to stay and keep their homes, even though new things are happening around them. Um, how many, you know, descendants of, of those who maybe have gone, gone on since then are able to pass their houses down and all those things simply because you decided to go the extra mile and help and not just like be this person coming to the neighborhood, just building up and not caring about what happens to those who are around. So I think, you know, it's something I definitely don't want to pass over and something I think is very commendable. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Black Real Estate Dialogue podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Black Real Estate Dialogue and on Twitter at Bread Podcast. That's B-R-E-D Podcast. Until next time.